Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's the holidays, and that means another season of looking at this idiot host wearing his snowman hat. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is the holiday season finally upon us for the year 2021. Happy Hanukkah. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. In this week's show, in Pipe Parts, I found some old tobacco ads, so I'm going to read those old tobacco ads and kind of describe them to you, and uh, continuing in the tradition of old stuff for this week, my guest is my entire Zoom pipe club, and what I did with them was sat down uh, on a Saturday afternoon, just before Thanksgiving, a couple weeks back, and we went through and did... The, uh, the Pipes Magazine radio show version of a Pipe Smokers Christmas Carol. And uh, you're, you're going to get to hear the, uh, the first part of that one this week with uh, Pipes of Christmas Past. Pipes and Tobaccos of Christmas Past. And uh, remember, in my Zoom club, I'm one of the young guys. So there's a lot of 30, 40-year veteran pipe smokers, doctors of pipes, uh, doctors of industry, yeah, so a lot of a uh, lot of knowledge there. So uh, anyway, you get to hear that, and um, we kick off holiday music again. Uh, holiday music, a, a brief mailbag, and a rave because all holiday season long, I'm not ranting about anything. Nope, I'm going to rave about whatever I can figure out. So there you go. All right. Uh, just a reminder, please keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you are. Share it in your Facebook groups, on your forums, or uh, you know, on your Twitters and uh, Instagrams and all those places. Keep sharing the show out there. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you're on Facebook, follow me on uh, Instagram and Facebook. If in, uh, on Facebook, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show. And you may see that when this show goes out, I will be at the Walt Disney World Resort. So uh, visiting with my son and his wife, and we've got a friend and his family coming with us. So if you uh, go and see the pictures, you may figure out who that friend is. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, for pipe parts, well, here we go. Uh, so the website that I found is alamy.com. And if you want to get to it directly, uh, look up stock photo slash pipe dash tobacco dash advert. Advert because it's British. Uh, 
anyway, they've just got a great collection of vintage tobacco ads and tobacco images. And uh, there's, uh, it's probably 50 of them. Anyway, here they are. So the ones that I've picked out to read for you now are simply because I found them to be fun. And this one is for Harmony, and it's called Harmony, a pipe blend, and it shows a picture of a tin of tobacco on a, you know, that old pocket tin on a shelf, and Harmony, a pipe blend. Uh, the description is making rich mildness possible. Harmony Pipe Blend has accomplished something new in smoking tobacco. It has succeeded in so intimately blending or harmonizing several different choice imported and domestic tobaccos that it has in reality produced a new and more delightful smoke flavor, absolutely without a trace of discord. Each of these tobaccos play its own part in giving Harmony its cool and characterful flavor. One is used for exquisite aromas, one for its fruity richness, one for its delicate pungency, one because of its unusual sweetness, and one for its full mellow body. The result is a new, more delicious flavor. It might be called rich mildness. So delectably... So delicately does the rich savor of these tobaccos shade, in, shade into mildness, but only your own most cherished old pipe can really reveal to you Harmony's perfectly balanced taste. <laughs> I just love how, you know, how, boy, they worked on that. Uh, that's all I can say. Uh, the next one is a uh, 19, it's from, uh, it's, from 1956, and it's from uh, from a U.S. magazine, and uh, it's for model smoking tobacco, which was made in Richmond, Virginia, and it shows a shows a gentleman wearing a you know smoking a pipe and working on a model ship, and there's a couple pipes on the table, but he's got one in his mouth, and he's and the caption says, "You get out of model building, you get out of a model building like this, just what you put into it. Same with a pipe." Pack that bowl with model, and you turn a piece of briar into a bosom pal, a corn cob into a flavor feast, foam light meerschaum into solid satisfaction. No easygoing model isn't. No easygoing model isn't magic, just mighty mellow. Try it, why don't you? The peaceful pipeful. So I just love all that alliteration in there and it, with the meerschaum and the corn cob and all that stuff. Uh, anyway, you can't show that ad anymore because it's just a guy sitting in a library building a model and it has tobacco in it. Uh, the next one, real short and simple. This is, uh, it's an old enamel sign for a brand of tobacco that you really couldn't use right now. And it's not that offensive, so, you know, just, you know, I'll just warn it's not that bad. But it's, the, the, the sign says in a small letter, in small letters, smoke, and then in big yellow letters going diagonally across the sign, Nosegay, the tobacco for pipe or cigarette. So the brand was Nosegay, and they wanted that to stand out. Uh, but anyway, I guess it would make your nose um, uh, happy and gay in their gay apparel, holiday stuff. Uh, the next one is from uh, Punchbowl, 
Uh, that's from the. It's a punch bowl is Barney's in full strength. So Barney's, I you know the Barney's tobacco. Uh, anyway, here's the description of it, and it shows a man sitting in a in an easy chair with his feet up, and he's smoking a pipe, and it says, "Picture of a man who has found the perfect tobacco." One day, this man asked for punch bowl. Now he is happy. Permanent smoking satisfaction is assured. This is why punch bowl is a superb example of the tobacco blender's art and the master's touch. It is laced with costly aromatic oriental leaf Latakia. The profound and subtle satisfaction you will get from this mixture is an experience no pipe smoker should deny himself. End your self-denial this very day. Ask for punch bowl. And <laughs> so my first thought was, well, this explains why men aren't happy anymore because we can't get punch bowl. Uh, and, and apparently we're all in denial right now, but we're perfectly unhappy about being in denial. <laughs> anyway, there's punch bowl. Uh, the next one is for three nuns. And this one, I, uh, this is, this has got to be, well, this is my favorite. Uh, it shows a, uh, a preacher of the church of England with his white collar smoking a pipe and the caption says how do you spell economy 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 as a pipe smoker you spell it out carefully and slowly t-h-r-e-e-n-u-n-s cunningly cut each ounce of this tobacco lasts you longer saves you money not without good reason it has been called the tobacco of curious cut three nuns so, and this, this goes back to, uh, I'm not sure what year this is from, but it's, uh, it was after Three Nuns was purchased by the Imperial Tobacco Company, but apparently they were trying to uh, say that the coins would smoke slower, so therefore it was more economical. Uh, and then finally for this one, here's an ad for Four Square Tobacco, which was, you know, it's still kind of poking around on the market somewhere, but it's moved along and it just shows a shows an older man with a pipe sticking out of his mouth. And the caption says, one pipe, one match. Some fellows make every pipe of four square last an hour and never use more than one match per pipe. Each fill smokes dry and cool to the end. There is no wasted dawdle. Everybody can get the same result if he will only take the trouble. And everybody should take the trouble these days when the supplies of Foursquare are necessarily restricted by the amount of top-grade leaf available. If you are not getting the best out of each fill, study the old hand's hints on the right. Foursquare. And it says hint number five, and it's really small. It says always empty your pipe immediately after smoking and never refill it while hot. If you must smoke continuously, carry two pipes with you and give every pipe a few days rest now and again, cleaning it thoroughly beforehand. So there you go. Apparently, one pipe, one match, light it and go. Boy, I'll tell you, that would, that guy, uh, this was, uh, all right, so this one was dated 1942, which would explain the, uh, the limited supply of tobacco, but uh, that guy would have been a world pipe smoking champion if he could just do one pipe, one match all the time. So 
Uh, anyway, again, the uh, the website for them is alamy.com. Uh, if you want me to read more of them, I'm happy to, but I think those were the best of them that I found, and there's a uh, there's one in here that I will not talk about because it's not racially sensitive anymore, but uh, I thought they were fun, so hope you enjoyed that. And in just a minute, my, uh, well, the uh, the pipes of Christmas passed with my uh, Zoom pipe club. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And if you remember last year, we sat down with my Zoom group, my Saturday group, the Saturday group that kept me kind of sane. Well, or sane for me. Uh, last year we did that right around Christmas time, and this year we're doing it again. Uh, some of the same characters, some new characters, because that's the beauty of this Zoom group is you get people coming in and out. And this year we are going to talk about, uh, we're, we're taking a Dickens look at pipes and tobaccos. So the, you know, if you could go back in time to the past, what's that pipe and tobacco of the past that you would really like? And then we'll go to the present, and then we'll go to the future. And then we may uh, we may talk about some Christmas traditions uh, uh, or holiday traditions for uh, forever. We want to be inclusive, so all holiday traditions. So starting off with uh, with the group, the illustrious uh, doctor of pipes, doctor of psychology, um, lover of nicotine, uh, Fred Hanna. Fred, if you could go back into the past. What's say what let's just say one tobacco and one pipe that you would that you would really like to be able to get. Thank you, Brian. Um, you know, I hate to sound like a, a jerk here, but <laughs> I pretty much have the pipes that I've sought for. So there aren't a whole lot that uh, I'm you know searching for from the old days. But I can tell you that of the old tobaccos, the the ones that I miss the most, um, are these um, old Dunhills from pre-Murray's 1980 and earlier. And that would be um, the standard mixture full, which uh, was no longer made from 19, 1981 on. And also the standard mixture medium, which was also a, a great blend back in those days. And there were many great blends made by Dunhill, but those are my favorites. So uh, there you go, Brian. No one pipe that got away that you'd like. Well, um, yeah, there were there were a few Sheratons um, that I wish I had another shot at. Um, but uh, I don't have. I know it sounds strange. I don't have many regrets when it comes to that, Brian. 
All right, and moving right along, I'm moving in order of the uh, checkerboard on the screen so that I can keep my sanity. Uh, we'll go to uh, Tad Gage, who you've heard on the show before. Tad, same same thing, a pipe, you know, tobacco of the past and a pipe of the past that you'd like to be able to, you know, go back in time and grab and or have it visit you in your uh, in your dreams. <laughs> tobacco of the past, I'll, I'll tell you, I wish I bought more McClellan, Virginia tobaccos. Uh, and boy, any of those old uh, old beauties like uh, Edgeworth, I would love to have a, a whole mess of those. But uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have some, so that's good. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you on pipes, uh, you know, there's always the ones that got away. I think there was one I keep thinking about. It was a set of old eight dot Sassinis in a leather case, and. Uh, that would have made a nice Christmas gift to myself <laughs> if I could uh, find that, but it's long gone. I sold it. I got a good price for it, so I can't really complain, but I do still miss that set, and that was 20 years ago. Uh, and the future, hey, still keeping an eye out for well, we're not doing We're not doing the future yeah. yet, so hold on, hold on. We're just doing the past right now. Uh Barry, you want to you want to play along with us cuz uh, Barry Goldstein is uh, new you've never been on the show before which is exciting for all of us but you've got just an incredible history of pipes and tobaccos and Barry what are uh, what's a tobacco or a pipe of the past that you'd like to uh, like to visit again? I I I started smoking a pipe when I was about 16 years old and my father at that time was buying the uh, the Sobrani tobaccos. Uh, and I just love, I just love those, uh, tobaccos. And at that time, I think a pound can, if I'm not mistaken, was somewhere around three and a half, four dollars. <laughs> and, uh, I wish I had, a, I wish I had a bunch of those, but that was, that's the one tobacco that, uh, really stands out in my mind. And years ago, I used to buy, uh, a truce, which slices, which I liked, uh, and, uh, back, you know, many years ago. So those are the those are the two tobaccos that stand out in my mind. Is there a pipe that got away or one that you'd like to be able to get your hands on again? John, John Fabris off, offered me a set of a seven day set of the uh, top of the line uh, Kamois. Um, and um, it was a, looking back at it now, I was a fool. I was foolish not to take him up on that, but I passed on that. And I think about that all the time. Perfect. All right. And uh, finishing off the top row on my screen is uh, Ronnie B. from Tennessee, who is uh, living in the past <laughs> currently and consistently. Uh, Ronnie, what, what tobacco or pipe of the past is, uh, is haunting your dreams? Well, two, actually. Um, elephant and Castle Deerstalker. I smoked uh, some uh, at Chicago one time, and it was beyond legendary. It's like velvet, in incredible tobacco. And uh, uh, mid '80s uh, McClellan number no. twenty-five, red and black. It was a cigar cut, and uh, man, it was so rich. It was almost like a, a, a semi-liquid. Uh, <laughs> just, just uh, incredible tobaccos. Pipe-wise. I've got what I've got all that I ever wanted, and uh, now I'm making the ones I want. So hey, it's it's a good day in the neighborhood. There you go. It's a good day in the Tennessee neighborhood. 
Uh, and now uh, going down to somebody you've heard a lot of lately, and you'll hear a lot more of in the future. Um, Rich Esserman, the uh, tobacco of the past, I mean, you've got it all anyway, and the pipe that got away, you remember exactly how much it cost, when you bought it, who you bought it from, and how you bought it. But uh, what were they? Well, Brian, there's, uh, there's, always, there's always two pipes that I remember that got away. And this is when I first really started to collect pipes in the 70s. The first one was the Caminetto straight grain smooth, natural. It came to a pointed bottom, which was a very stylish at the time. And it was 300 bucks and there was no way in heaven or hell that I could buy that pipe. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't put it in one lay away because it would take me like a year. So I had a pass on that. And the other thing is when I went to Dunhill's in 1978, the first Christmas season, Dunhill and Fifth Avenue. And I walked in and they had like 20 straight grains and 20 collectors in the big case in front of the pipe, which they had hundreds of pipes. And there was a DRF billiard that I wanted so badly. It was a giant billiard at the time with perfect straight grain on both sides. 1500 bucks <laughs> Could have been a million. I couldn't get it. And I remember those two pipes. Never forget them. The other thing is, is I would like to go back in time and by, I never saw it at the time, was this thing from Dunhill called Rough Cut Virginia. And I'm telling you, it's the best Virginia I've ever had. I've owned two tins of it, two four-ounce tins. I've never seen it again. I bought it years ago, never saw it again. And I'd love to be able to get that. That, might, that might be half the production they made of it. But, uh, yeah. Any, <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. All right, moving on to uh, the senior Fred, the better Fred, the Fred that's more friendly and kind and gentle to you, the Fred that doesn't mess with your head as much. Uh, Professor Fred Janusik, also doctor of pipes. Fred, what uh, what pipes of the past are and and tobaccos of the past are haunting your dreams? I. Uh... You must be talking to somebody else from that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, probably the tobaccos of the past were the, uh, the was the white Balkan Sobrani, Brinley's, which is long gone. And my favorite of all was the um, GBD Mariner Flake. I'd love to have that again. Pipes, there was one on the cover of the 68 Elon Rees catalog by Bjorn Mickey. Oh. that I just died when I saw it, would love to have owned it. But again, it was way beyond my means at that time. And then I had two pipes that got away from me that I would love to have back. One was a Sheraton executor, uh, in freehand, I guess. And the other was a Barling Smooth uh, Pot Canadian. That was a fantastic smoke, and for some reason, I let it go. So those are the, the things that I remember that haunt me. Might have been one of those moderate moments where the budget took over the brain. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened many times. Yeah. All right, skipping over Jim York because he's traveling right now, but hanging out with him. Jim, we love you. Uh, going to a pipe maker, the one and only Brad Pullman, 
Brad, you've been on the show before, and this this will be interesting because you're here. You are. I mean, you're a you're a pipe maker, and you've got an even better pipe maker with you because Silver's there. Uh, but Brad, pipe the pipe and tobacco of the of Christmas past that's haunting you. Oh, uh, I'll try to make a long story short. When uh, when I was uh, uh, doing my pipe pilgrimage, that I that's what I call it. Uh, back in 75, I was on my way to Paris, never been there. And uh, I had luggage and something else with me. And I had an attache case that I had a bunch of tobacco pipes and Dunhill Sterling Silver Pen in. And uh, I put that under the seat. And when my uh, destination station arrived. I grabbed all my luggage and everything and ran off the train. The door closed. And as I watched the train depart, I realized my attache case was still underneath my seat. Oh, no. And I had uh, a beautiful Dunhill Red Bark LB. And I had a, uh, a, a beautiful straight grain uniquely shaped Peterson that that I had just purchased from Peterson ha, the, the Peterson store in London hadn't even smoked it yet and that was gone so I'd love to have those two pipes <laughs> back yeah and, and uh, as far as old tobacco goes I'd love to be able to get my hands on a few tins of Chumley's and uh couple of tins of Mick McQuaid. Mm. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with the Zoom group. And Silver, we're saving you for the very last because we want the best at the, at the end. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show doing a uh, Christmas carol, pipes and tobaccos with my uh, Saturday Zoom club. And uh, prices on some of these tobaccos are probably going up on Fallon's website as we're speaking. So uh, hurry up and buy them now. But uh, Dave in LAX, who many of you will think is the Los Angeles International Airport, but it's not. It's La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is another LAX. Just slightly fewer people in, up there than at LAX. Right, Dave? Absolutely. And um, I've got a few pipes that uh, got away that come to mind, but uh, one was from a Milwaukee pipe show years ago. And uh, 
yeah, I just let it get away. It was beautiful. It was a big Dunhill uh, uh, with a beautiful ring grain and a gold band. And yeah, I just couldn't uh, couldn't quite pull the trigger and the pipe was gone and never to be seen again. But um, another was a Costello uh, Epica that I, I, the guy had it at the Saturday, back when they had the, um, uh, the pre-sale in the state New Orleans ballroom. And yeah. um, I, I never saw him again after that. He, um, he just came for Friday and I never saw him after that. And that pipe has haunted me ever since. So cause that was a beautiful <laughs> piece too. So, but otherwise, yeah, there's uh, tobacco, nothing, nothing really. I, you know, if I could go back, I would absolutely go back and get, uh, you know, a shopping bag full of seven, five, nine, or, you know, Ronnie mentioned elephant castle, but yeah, those are my things that just come to mind. Perfect. And then from, uh, but you're not in Wisconsin right now. You're probably down in the warm weather, right? Absolutely. Tucson, uh, south of Tucson, Arizona, and beautiful Green Valley. Well, we're going further south for our next one. We're going way, way south. We're going all the way down under to Australia, where uh, Rob Capuccio has been locked down there and hasn't been able to shave or shower for months now. Um, Rob, uh, good to see you again. And we miss seeing your tree out the back. I got to say that. So. But uh, pipes and tobaccos that haunt you from the past. Um, yeah, appreciate it, Brian. Look, I don't have anything that haunts me, but I do have things that um, I've heard about that are very much alluring to me. I'd love to try just on the basis of my preferences. I love Virginia. Um, I hear about the stories that you were, uh, and, and I say it fondly, you old timers talk about the old fashioned Perique and how good Perique was back in the day. <laughs> and um, of course, Burley. So um, if I had my opportunity, I would certainly seek out some of the old Edgeworth. Um, and I'm really, really keen to try and find some of the, you know, uh, the older Samuel Goweth, you know, full Virginia flake and uh, St. James Perique. Um, those are the tobaccos that I'd love to try. I'm a real fan of English tobaccos and, uh, well, sorry, not English style tobaccos, but in English manufactured tobaccos. So, um, and there is only one pipe, really. It's a Costello. It was a Shape 65. It was the most perfect Shape 65 I've ever seen. Um, I looked at it. It was available for a while, and for whatever reason, I'm not sure why I procrastinated, but uh, it got away, and uh, I, I took some screenshots of it back back when I saw it, and I sometimes find those screenshots, and it's still, that that's the one that haunts me. Sounds good. And, and of course, if you had bought it years ago, well, if you bought the tobacco years ago down in Australia, it would have been way cheaper, but we won't depress you with those numbers right now. Uh, um, yeah, we'll find them one day. Yeah. Instead, we'll move on to the uh, honorary musical director of the Pipes Magazine radio show, somebody we, uh, we, we get to hear from on a weekly basis, usually the cheerful comments as opposed to Dan Coomer's grumpy comments. But uh, Dino... Uh, pipes of the past and uh, and tobaccos of the past. Well, thanks, uh, Brian. Uh, I I think the tobacco that I really miss the most that I only have like about a pipe or two full left is uh, Balkan Sobrani Seven Five Nine. I wish I could have more of that. And uh, uh, McClellan's tobaccos have always been my favorites, and of course. So uh, Samovar is, has been my absolute favorite. I have some stashed away. Uh, as for pipes, uh, when I first started collecting, not really collecting, just buying pipes, 
Uh, I wanted to have a, a pipe made specifically for me by Primo at the at Cellini's Pipe Shop. Uh, he made one for me, which was very, very affordable. And then I wanted one designed for me, and I just couldn't. I didn't have the money. I wish I could go back with the money that I have, you know, now and buy that pipe at those prices <laughs> back then. I, I just I have a lot of Cellini pipes, and I. They're always good for me, and they smoke well. And Primo was a wonderful designer. That's so. That's that's my past. And and of course, there'd probably be some music playing in the background, but we'll we'll probably always get, we'll, we'll probably always. get to music. Uh, Fernando, you're you're one of the uh, you're one of the younger guys in this group, which is one of the reasons why I like this group because I'm one of the younger guys in it too. So, uh, Fernando, uh, first of all. Tell everybody where you're. Where are you from? And and then uh, pipes of the past and the you know, pipes and tobaccos of the past. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a rookie. I I started smoking pipes about 25, 30 years ago. So yeah. relatively newcomer. Um, I'm I'm uh, in Minnesota now in Minneapolis. I th I think that as for tobaccos of the past, the three that I've most enjoyed are, uh, are my mixture 73, which is just an amazing mixture with, you know, very well-rounded, uh, but, but very flavorful. And, uh, and the old Rattray's, uh, Howl of the Wind, which is just an amazing red Virginia, the one made in Perth and then the McConnell's version, obviously. And then a third one that I would just buy as much of as I, as, as I possibly could is uh, a very obscure one made by Lambert and Butler, which is called Garrick Mixture. And that's just an amazing, amazing English mixture. I have maybe about half of a cutter top left. So <laughs> that would be if I could get my hands on. I would say McClellan, but I, I think I have about 10 or 20 pounds of McClellan, so it wouldn't be fair to say that it's a tobacco of the past necessarily. Um, and as for pipes, I think that my answer would be twofold. The first one is I regret recently, and I, I intended to do it, was to have a commission, uh, a commission pipe made by Ken Barnes, who passed away earlier this year. I, it, was, it was something that I intended to do, and I, I dropped the ball on that. And, and I, I really regret not having, not having a commission piece made by him. And then the second pipe really is I collect old British pipes, and in particular, I specialize in Ben Wade pipes. So I don't know what this pipe would look like, but it would be sort of a Rosetta Stone pipe. Uh, very early Ben Wade pipes, some of them were made in London, and yet there's no proof of this, but there's advertising evidence of it. So if I could, again, I don't know what it would look like, but it would be to get sort of a Rosetta Stone Benway pipe that would prove uh, beyond all doubt that there was a production uh, consistent with with the old uh, the old catalogs. So, and, and Fernando, just to tell, just to give people an idea of the caliber of people on this Zoom, what do you do for a living? Oh, so I'm a molecular biologist, <laughs> and I work for the medical school at the University of Minnesota. So there, I think uh, I think we just put our website up. It's funny because I put a little blurb about my my research interests, but I also mentioned pipes too. So. Uh oh, uh oh. Well, all right. Well, we'll save you. We'll move on. Um, 
Ray, you've you've popped in and out of the Zoom group often over the past week, so or past year, sorry. Uh, pipes and tobaccos of the past that haunt you? Um, you know, I'm thinking about a Chicago pipe show some years ago. It was in a tent. Um, and I was sitting by myself, and uh, Tad Gage and Fred Hanna arrived and sat down. Of course, asked if it was all right for them to sit with me. Of course, I'm by myself. <laughs> and um, they... I forget which one uh, brought out a tin of Dunhill standard mixture. Either it was the medium or the full, probably from the 1970s. And I foolishly declined enjoying a bowl, but, you know, sat with them and, you know, they smoked it. But I declined for whatever reason. And um, I guess two pipes I can think of. Uh, there was a Ashton Magnum at LJ Peretti, uh, uh, Dublin, straight Dublin that was in a fitted case. I really wish I grabbed that back then. And a uh, Baldo Baldi sandblast, um, kind of like a squat poker, um, kind of like a squared shape that I had uh, traded to my friend Charlie Norman, who worked at LJ Peretti, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. Uh, that Ashton Magnum's probably at Rich's house, so I'll get it for you. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> and then moving on to uh, somebody who's been on the show a couple of times and has been on that other Hobbit podcast a couple of times as well. So we'll we'll let him back on here. But uh, Russ Hicks, pipes of the past that haunt you, tobaccos of the past. You probably have all the tobaccos, but yeah. That, thanks, Brian. Um, let's see, pipes of the past. So. Um... I don't know that I've told the story and I'm not going to get into it here, but I always wanted a Dunhill ever since I could remember it's everything I read about as a kid. And, um, I remember I just got married. I had a ton of money in my pocket and I went to the Dunhill store in the Galleria mall in Houston. And I got in there and I found the perfect, uh, pot shaped Dunhill and, um, fell in love with it instantly. And we had a little altercation with the, the lady behind the counter <laughs> where she basically told me that there was no way a 20 year old kid had enough uh, money to buy anything in that store. And my wife popped down like $2,000 on the counter and said, we have enough money to buy several pipes and we're not going to buy anything. And she basically grabbed me by the ear and drug me out of the store. So that <laughs> pipe I, I missed. And uh, I've recently, I wasn't allowed to buy Dunhills for years and years. And I recently got a birth year Dunhill pot that looks very similar. So, but I, I still wish I'd had that one. And there is one other that uh, uh, Bruce Weaver, who passed away recently, he uh, he was uh, commissioned to do his version of the Costello 55 shape for me. And he just never got around to doing it. And I, I wish I had that one. So those are my two pipes. As far as tobacco, uh, uh, so, so early on, I was mainly smoking uh, aromatics like most people. This had been in the mid eighties. And I remember going into our local tender box and the guy made fun of me about smoking aromatics. And he said, you should really try an English tobacco cause it's real. And I said, okay, well, what do you recommend? And he threw down a, a pouch, a gold pouch of seven, five, nine. And, um, so I bought it and I fell in love with it. But, uh, because of this zoom group, I recently learned that that's not real seven, five, nine. That was the Gallagher's <laughs> version. So Fred Hanna broke my heart and, uh, by telling me that. So I'd like to have some real seven, five, nine at some point. And then of course, 
uh, anything that was, uh, say, Red Ribbon or 5100 that came out in, a, I guess, around 83, at least 5100 did. I'd love to have some 5100 from the, you know, the origin of it in the 1983 vintage. So those would be my two tobaccos. Yeah, don't feel bad. Fred Hanna's broke many a man's heart, hardly any women, but... Um anyway <laughs> and moving on to the guy that the one named guy in the band uh big pete primarily because he's just tall and his name is pete uh big pete collects really old pipes and doesn't spend any money on baseball hats at all but uh big pete what is what pipe of the past is haunting you and the tobacco of the past well i think the uh the pipe of the past is uh, probably the first pipe that I ever bought. And I bought it for my father for Father's Day, and I was about 12 years old, so I wasn't about to smoke it. And he never he never took to the pipe. He kept to his cigarettes. And when I went to college, I saw some of the guys smoking a pipe, and I wanted to. When I asked my dad if he still had the pipe, and he did. And uh, that was the first pipe that I smoked. It was a Marbury, if you if you know what that is uh i haven't heard of it since and uh i still have the pipe no matter how many pipes i've bought since then and i smoke it once a year on father's day in honor of my father so that's my pipe of the past uh the tobacco is an experience actually shared with tad gage where we went to um uh chicago we were sitting in the tent one morning and uh um uh, this fellow bruce was there was a, 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 an asian guy and uh, we were talking about the tobaccos that we liked. And Tad and I both said, boy, we'd sure love to try Ogden number six. Bruce reaches in his bag. He pulls out a cutter top of Ogden's number six. Tad and I lit it up. We were sitting there in absolute nirvana. He let us pretty much finish the can and fed us that Ogden's number six uh, all day. And I've never really gotten that out of my mind if you ask me the best the best tobacco i ever smoked it was that on the number six i really i really did love it uh as far as uh, uh, uh pipes go uh, probably a seven day set of ballings that john fabris wanted to sell me and uh i could have afforded it and i just never got around to doing it and by the time i decided i wanted to be uh, the first boy in my block to get a, a balling seven-day set. Uh, I called John back, and it was gone, so uh, I could easily relive that moment. And in case you can't tell from Big Pete's accent, he's a good old southern boy from uh, the southern part of Brooklyn. Uh, but mo <laughs> uh, Moving on to Jonathan uh pipe we actually got to hang out a little bit at the uh, columbus pipe show together which was fun so jonathan pipes of the past pipes of the pre pipes or pipes of the past tobaccos of the past well i i don't think i'm alone in uh when i was younger looking at the yvonne reese catalog and ogling a lot of pipes that uh, <laughs> i couldn't afford uh there was a a former uh pot they had with straight grain in the uh, mid nineties that I really wanted that I had no way of affording that I always thought about. And I still think about the time uh, I get away. Uh, in addition to that, my great grandfather was a pipe smoker and had a great collection. I am told of Austrian Meerschaums 
and he passed away uh, in the 50s, uh, long before I was born. And uh, I never got a chance to see those pipes in person and uh. never was able to track down what happened to his collection. So I'd love to uh, be able to find some of those if uh, an opportunity came up. Tobaccos go. Uh, I remember a number of the Balkan in the 90s that uh, hit uh, a little bit different, even though the name is still around, like Balkan Sassini. Um, the uh, the flavor is just not quite what it was back then. I miss uh, the Orientals and Lakia, those Balkan blends from the 90s. Oh, I'd love to see those Mearshams too. All right, uh, moving on. Boy, this is going good. I think we're going to make this a two-parter. So this is going so good. But uh, Mike Zika, you want to play along with us of uh, pipes of your past and tobaccos of the past that haunt your dreams? Sure. I started in 81 smoking when I was a senior in college and uh, Tinderbox in North Riverside, Illinois. Bought a couple of Stanwall pipes, maybe my fifth and sixth pipes that I had bought. And they were by far the best smokers of what I had bought. And I was, uh, they had the McBaron uh, tins on the wall. Uh, that was pretty much the only tins they had. Aside from their bulks, they had uh, uh, the McBaron. So I went through the McBaron line and then the Royal Twist, I happen to really like. And it was interesting just that I was close to being where I am now in that it's going to be a Danish pipe and it's going to be a kind of a flake with Perique in it. Uh, so that's that's where I would like to go back. The the Stanwells and both that Stanwells, I got rid of those pipes, obviously being the collector to try to get something else at one point. And uh, just to go back and relive those, uh, have those Stanwells and smoke the old Royal Twist by McBaron, uh, Virginia roll, uh, roll cake with the Perique. That's what I would uh, most like to uh, go back to. I remember going to the Stanwell factory and thinking, I got to get back here. This was a lot of fun. And then by the time I was able to get back there, it wasn't there anymore. Uh, and then wrapping this up, saving the best for last on the pipes of the past and tobaccos of the past is uh, silver gray, silver. What do you, what have you got? Because your, uh, your pipe smoking history is uh, shorter than most on this group. It's considerably shorter. Thanks for us. And, and you're it. considerably younger and dramatically better looking than everybody else. Well, that's very kind. Um, and true. The dramatically younger part, especially. Um, my tobacco um, is probably not very high end, but Scandinavic. I really I had a small, I don't know, portion of the tin given to Brad and I, and I actually hid it from him because I wanted to smoke it myself. And so I'd like to <laughs> have that. And then um, pipes of the past. Um, I like to recreate pipes that I see um, from the past, but I'd love to have a, a Sixton or a, a Lars Iverson pipe um, just because when Brad introduced me to pipe making, that's who I went to to get inspired. And uh, so I'd, I'd really like to have one of those. Yeah, not a bad, not bad inspiration and not bad having Brad there to help you a little bit with getting started. But 
All right, we're going to wrap this one up here, and then uh, next week we'll do the present and the future. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I believe it's going to be uh, two, maybe, well, it'll be at least one more, maybe two more. Depends on how I edit it down, because... Uh, it depends on how much good stuff is in there. All right, so for music, holiday season, and if you remember back to uh, season one or two of the Pipes Magazine radio show, we might have played some Twisted Sister holiday stuff. Well, here you go again. This is uh, from A Twisted Christmas, the album by Twisted Sister. It's Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. 
can hear the whole Twisted Christmas album on uh, Spotify. And I believe that one's pretty close to... I think out of all the songs on the album, that one is more close to the original than anything else. But anyway, I like it. You've got some mail. In the mailbag, if you have a comment or question, email me directly, brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page at PipesMagazine.com. If you're not registered there, it's free to register. And while you're there, check out all the articles. Uh, Kevin's got a handful of new writers and return writers, so there's always something new there to read. Uh, You can send the messages to me through Facebook or Instagram, but those are a little harder for me to corral, so I do appreciate the messages or the emails, and if you have a Ask the Tobacconist for Jeremy Reeves, send that question on to me by email, and I will get those answered for you. Same thing with Ask the Pipe Maker, and uh, just like last week, if you have another topic that you would like for uh, <laughs> for Rich and I to uh, tackle, well, hey, just send those on. All right, pipe question. Uh, Al writes, Think of L-Tang Basic Poker or Falcon Pipes, for example. Basically pipes with short or no wood shanks with long man-made stem materials. Do pipes constructed with non-porous stem materials, fiberglass, metal, tubes, delrin, inherently smoke more wet since there is no wood-type material to absorb some of the moisture? All right, so here's here's what I think and here's what I feel. Uh, so we've heard in the past, especially Rick Newcomb has talked about buildup in the shanks. Uh, you do get some buildup in there and that does help catch some of the moisture, but very little moisture is actually absorbed into briar. Briar grows in really arid places and it's a really, yeah, it's, it's a really dense wood that is flame resistant. So it's not going to suck up the moisture what i do think that happens is when you add a metal sleeve into something or like the falcon pipes or yeah any of that stuff what i do think happens is you accelerate the moisture condensation that can happen in there uh it makes it a lot it it just happens faster than it does in a briar pipe and with a briar pipe, I think that wood shank or that wood material helps cool the tobacco, which draws the moisture further up and keeps it from, you know, keeps it from condensating inside the bowl. Uh, I think that's also why on some of my pipes, I will get a little gurgle of moisture. If I'm, if I'm dealing with a really wet tobacco, I'll get a little gurgle of moisture right up in the buttonhole, but not down in the pipe uh so i so again it it doesn't really affect the uh, it doesn't absorb the moisture the the wood shank doesn't do that but all these other non-wood materials they don't radiate the heat out as well so uh you know that i think that's one of the reasons why i like my long shank pipes is because it just makes me feel like it cools the pipe a little bit more so I hope that helps. Um, I prefer the pipes to be, you know, as much wood as possible and 
no metal or stuff like that in there. But, you know, if it has to be, it has to be. And then if you're having moisture during the bowl, just run the pipe cleaner up the stem like I do. Yeah, three, four times during a bowl. So hope that helps. Uh, and then Gotham writes, uh, I had a question for you, should you care to answer it in the mailbag segment. In your vast experience, do nearly all natural tobaccos, non-aromatics, have a casing on them? If so, what is the most common type of casing and why is this necessary for a natural tobacco? Do any natural pipe tobaccos not have a casing? I seem to remember that the old American spirit cigarette tobaccos claimed to be uncased, but I digressed. Uh, and then he said, do casings differ at the major blending houses, McBaron, Sutliff versus Colehouse Cop and C&D and so on and so on. All right. So let's answer this in reverse. Uh, the casing processes or uh, to be fancy processes, they do vary by manufacturer. Each manufacturer has their own secret sauce. All right. Uh, the American spirits are additive free. So that means no chemicals and stuff like that. I don't know if they used a flavoring that was a natural flavoring, but I can't, can't say they did or didn't. Now, with a natural tobacco, if you smoked, and here's the reason why even our purest of pure straight Virginias have some sort of antimicrobial they have moisture added to them and then some little secret that the blenders will never tell you they will never tell you what they're doing because that's their trade secrets but i have seen things like pectin or uh or honey or sugar added uh, for a while some very light aromatics they were trying to use sorbitol and but again, on a natural, on what we would consider to be a Virginia tobacco that is not supposed to have any flavoring to it, there is usually something in there because if you smoked just raw straight tobacco with just water on it, first of all, the water wouldn't stay, the moisture wouldn't stay in it, so you need something to help it hold in there. Uh, the tobacco would just be really hot. And the way you can do that is try growing your own tobacco and then hanging it in a barn and curing it and cutting it. And you can buy hands of cured tobacco online. I forget the website name, but uh, it would burn hot and nasty. And I've tried it before. And that's one of the ways that, you know, when you're in a tobacco factory or in a blending room, you can walk right up to the bale of tobacco and pull off some pieces and roll it in cigarette paper because, you know, uh, because a pipe takes too much, but roll it in cigarette paper and you smoke it just for the basis of what's there, but then it goes through the process. All right. So I hope that helps. Um, you know, during the British purity laws, I think they were allowed to use just a basic sugar to, lightly sweeten the tobacco but they weren't allowed to use any further flavorings or anything like that so yes there is something underneath each tobacco blend somewhere and that's the secret in the water 
Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And in just a moment, rave time. There's nothing quite like a good book or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. holiday season again and we're living in slightly stranger times than normal but we as pipe smokers are very lucky that we have a companion that we can go to when we are you know not feeling the best about the world we have our pipes that comfort us and uh, put us into a thoughtful place and give us enjoyment give us pleasure we are you know we have these pipes that have uh, memories attached to them that we're able to look at and smile and think about. Uh, But as we enter the holiday season again, I want to remind you that, you know, if you're feeling down because, you know, maybe you're, you're not feeling comfortable about making that trip to see family yet, or maybe you don't, you know, you, you just don't, you don't have family around that you can visit with. If you're feeling down, instead of, you know, reach out to me, reach out to somebody, we'll sit on the phone, we'll talk, we'll get on Zoom, we can sit and puff in front of each other, FaceTime, Facebook Messenger, Facebook, uh, you know, Facebook's got a video thing. Whatever it is, you know what, let's just let's reach, out to, reach out to one of your pipe friends and set something up so that you guys can sit and not be in the same room, but see each other. And between the pipes and the camaraderie around the pipes, like my Saturday Zoom group, you know, it does, it it goes a long way. And I don't want, I I want you to know that if you're out there and you're feeling alone and, and you want somebody, I'm here for you. Your pipe friends are here for you. Reach out to us and, uh, you know, it'll make the holiday season a little brighter. In the meantime, we've got our pipes that are sitting there waiting for us whenever we want them. And they don't complain about it. So there you go. All right. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the Zoom thing. I've got one or two more, depending on, again, how I edit it down. If Comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Thank you again to all my Zoom group. Happy, uh, hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving, a happy Hanukkah, and a happy holiday season. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
Happy trails to you. Till we meet again. Now he's eating Hanukkah gilt and wearing a snowman hat. Oy vey. <laughs>